And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining me once again after a week uh, vacation, uh, Robert Larson. Uh, he comes to us from the other side of Cleveland National Forest. Thanks again for being on the show. It's great to catch up with you again. Hey, Heather. It's always good to be with you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so this is the first story that we're doing. is about a crazy storm that touched down in your city of Temecula on Wednesday. It seems like we're having a lot of really crazy weather patterns. We had a crazy weather pattern here in Orange County in late July, which had a great lightning show if you were up at one in the morning. Um, what was your lightning show like in Temecula? Yeah, pretty astonishing. I have to say I was um, I was out of town for a couple of days. I was out further uh, east and north in the, in the desert, kind of in the Joshua Tree area. But when I got back, everybody was saying, wow, did you hear about the storm? Or, well, I had a little bit of rain out there in the desert, but, wow, what happened here? So, you know, we don't get a lot of crazy storms in Southern California, or at least not traditionally. And uh, now it seems to be happening uh, somewhat. So people who live in the Midwest, they're used to these kind of things with, you know, crazy summer rain and that fork lightning and sonic boom like thunder and you know, that's just something we rarely experience out here let alone in the summer so um yeah that's what happened and it was uh for several hours it kind of rained off and on on wednesday starting from early in the morning is what i've been told about this and there were a couple of periods where it rained like super hard and then also hail was coming down really big chunks of hail that were actually uh, doing damage to people's cars and uh there's i'm looking at a picture here from the press enterprise of one of the lightning bolts that's just one of those really amazing ones with all the little bits forking off from it that again you don't hardly see in uh, southern california so that was happening and then right in the neighborhood where i live lightning bolts were coming down and a i think it was a light post across the street from where i live was hit by one of these bolts and caused all kinds of havoc, uh, neighbors across the street, their electricity was all screwed up, and I, I don't know if they lost their electricity, and uh, but there a lot of damage, and they were kind of, to kind of told by some people to actually leave their house, that it wasn't safe for them to stay there, and uh, then that lightning bolt caused a lot of damage to just adjacent houses, so where I'm staying across the street, uh, two televisions were just destroyed, just like... It wasn't like you saw this. You saw this electrical electrical surge coming into the house, but there it actually happened, even though it wasn't visual. And, and uh, two TVs just just gone. And um, the computers were okay. And so I don't know if that's because they have surge protectors, but the TVs are, are, are dust. It just they look fine, but they won't work. Huh. So that, that's uh, that. Then there were several trees in the whole inland area there's a lot of reports of trees struck by lightning actually causing fires didn't turn into big fires because they were put out either by people or just the actual rain happening so but yeah trees were stripped of their bark and set on fire and kind of thing there was uh, up to an inch of rain in a couple of areas which is quite a bit for you know the short period of time that it was raining hard and uh Freeway jam-ups, all that kind of thing. The big rig flipped over. Um, you know, everything terrible that happens in storms, that, in bad storms, that was all compressed into like a kind of few-hour period. 
And uh, what else? Anything? Uh, yeah, power outages in a few areas. Not in the Temecula Murrieta area, but other areas did have uh, power outages. But I don't know. Never from everybody I've talked to that was actually here at the time. They have never seen a storm like that in the summer out here. Oh, definitely. And um, one of the things that I wish people would, uh, not people, but just like I wish our federal government would do is take leadership on this global warming thing. What we have with us now, we can't do much about. But since this is going to be like the new norm, it would be nice to get like things like power lines underground at least. That way uh, they don't start fires because another effect of global warming is it's a big secret. We're really bone dry at the moment. And there's been multiple fires in the Yosemite area, but they've just been fortunate to put them out in time. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we can't say with total certainty whether any of these particularly per- particular events are exactly the result of global warming, but all these kinds of things are going to continue and, and get worse, or there's just going to be a lot of weird uh, weather anomalies because of the global warming situation. And so your your point is well taken that, well, we need, we need to do something about this, and we need to uh, make the changes necessary to... Uh, so that global warming, global climate change does not get worse. And we see even more just crazy types of storms and other weather events. Yeah, definitely. Um, Moving on to Trail of Humanity, which is a call of sanity about the immigration policies of the U.S. and not what happened in uh, Marietta earlier in the summer. It was a march that took place from Merced to the border, and it made its way through Marietta, which that particular confrontation with police from right-wing demonstrators basically made the New York Times and national media. I love how the Trail of Humanity, which is kind of, you know, a call for sanity, is, um, well, I didn't even hear about it. Yeah, it's interesting how it doesn't get as much attention. It's always the loud crazy, screaming, uh, sort of right-wing type uh, demonstrators who spit on immigrant children. and that, Jackasses that ju- dress up like Thomas Jefferson. Right. Th- those kind of people seem to get all the attention. And this was uh, a, a group that appears to be at least as large, if not larger, than those uh, sort of hate-filled people. And their purpose, what they are saying, is to raise awareness of the border crisis, pressure the Obama administration to stop deportation efforts, and encourage Congress to come together to pass immigration reform, which sounds pretty sane to me. <laughs> yeah. So they they started in Merced, California, which is in central California, and uh, had, are on a march. I think they may have completed it by now, all the way to the uh, U.S.-Mexico border, which is 325 miles and uh, they they purposely came through Murrieta to, I think, sort of add a balance to what had already occurred here and make a stop at the Border uh, Patrol Station and the um, uh, City Hall to sort of make a statement. And from what I can gather, there didn't seem to be any of the, or at least not in any large numbers, the right-wingers who were all angry out to uh, counter what these people were doing. And, uh, but yeah, I've seen a couple of pictures. It's a, it looked like a pretty big crowd of people. Some of them were dressed in traditional indigenous Mexican uh, attire with feathers and the boots with the rattled shells in them, and which I find always kind of interesting. I sort of like that people are interested in that traditional look. 
people of, of uh, Mexican uh, descent. So um, anyway, yeah, yeah, they came through town and uh, did their thing and made their voices heard. And it almost seemed like the other side is maybe, I don't know, afraid or embarrassed and just didn't uh, aren't interested in being out there as much. And they, I mean, we've talked about this before, Heather, about how that it's just like this right-wing political road rage. And it, it's the right-wing websites and the right-wing uh, media you know, broadcast media people that they'd always get these people riled up yeah riled up and then once they get them to do their thing then they're on to something else and now you know the people who say let's have a more sane approach to this they don't get the media attention yeah and what you say about riled up is that's probably the reason why they passed from Marietta without incident is they've moved on to something else yeah and, and it's just the 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 provocateurs uh, uh that get these people riled up they're they always got a new thing, and now they're they're busy spreading lies about what's going on in in uh, Ferguson, Missouri, and uh, there's just all that stuff out there about there's this whole machine putting out this narrative about what really happened when nobody, well, not nobody, but almost nobody has the fact the facts yeah. of what occurred that day, and they're all defending the the police officer for what he did. And they're they're actually putting out these lies about that his bones and his face were broken, and 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 it's just it's complete lies. And so there's this whole machine that creates that stuff, and whether it's creating complete lies or putting out something true, but then spinning it in a way to get uh, frightened, angry right wing people all riled up like they did in Murrieta. It's it's a machine doing this kind of thing. Yeah, and then the more nonpartisan media, or what we think is nonpartisan media, like the LA Times. Earlier this week, they ran a story about Ferguson saying, well, when will the poor shop owners be able to get back to business? You know, as if a big, you know, civil rights issue is less than more important than them getting back to business and, norm, you know, being normal is the thing. It's just like that's completely a twisted spin on the whole story. And they ran it. I couldn't believe that. Well, right. And then it's just like the... The... Uh, protesters in, in uh, Ferguson were treated horribly and you know, the, the tear gas and the rubber bullets and all that kind of stuff. And you never see the the, uh, the Tea Party right-wing uh, protesters ever get treated that way. No, no, never. And and you may say that, hey, they were looting or whatever. I've seen some shots of these protests where it was completely peaceful protests and then the rubber bullets and all that stuff came out and then they say it was an unlawful assembly and you must disperse now and they do all this stuff with their sirens and then throw the tear gas. It's, you know, it's, it's absolutely awful. And um, Well, to give you, you know, a little personal anecdote of, of what racism is like in Missouri, I know somebody who lives there and uh, he is a uh, construction uh, contractor. Sure. And he was out doing a job somewhere, and he shows up with his crew, and he's got a, uh, a black guy working for him. And the person who he's doing the job for said, you're not working on, you're not doing this job here if he is on the crew, pointing to the, the African-American guy. And the guy that I know said, well, he's part of my crew. I then if, you, if you, that's how it is, then I'm not doing this job. So, you know, good for him. But, did, I mean... I, just that that happens, it kind of gives you a little clue of the way things may be in Missouri. Yeah, and my personal story with that was we had a hostess vendor that worked uh, yes. the hostess rack when I was the bread lady at a grocery store. 
and um, he would say, he was from the St. Louis area. Always would wear a Cardinals hat, and he would say the most obnoxious racist things imaginable. I mean, he was like the full out, full blown racist, and I just couldn't believe he would just feel comfortable enough to feel you know around another white person to let that stuff out, and it was just unbelievable. And then of course, um, a few, I think a year ago. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals actually put together uh, like a ballpark retail experience outside of their new Bush Stadium. And it had these rules about dress that basically said, uh, they were basically saying, if you're African American, please don't come here. So, I mean, those, I mean, it seems like St. Louis had a, quite a, an issue with race, not just in Ferguson, but in that whole greater region. Oh, yeah. I mean, there have been some uh, police brutality cases against African-Americans in St. Louis as well, um, not just Ferguson. It, it's so there's an issue. I mean, there there's racism everywhere, and we certainly got it here in California against uh, um, Latino immigrants. But um, I don't think you have it among authorities and, and police to, to the degree in California that you have it in Missouri. Yeah, I mean, when the police crack down on the protest here, it's usually because we're a bunch of anarchists that need to be broken up, blah, blah, blah. So uh, anyways, um, we're going to move on to a story we covered a while ago that I didn't remember, but Robert kept a hold of the track of it. Um, so four Marines uh, raped, killed, and pillaged a couple's house. Um, that was a while ago, and the fourth Marine just was convicted, so that's kind of putting a bow on, on that story and finishing it off. Yeah, this is a terrible, terrible yeah. story, Heather. This, uh, this actually, the incident occurred over five years ago, and the four um, um, perpetrators were all Marines. And the the couple that they killed, the husband was Marine, I believe the wife was as well. But uh, the couple was interracial. the The husband was white, and the wife was black, and they were recently married. And um, anyway. Uh, the prosecutors in this case didn't present it as like a racial type of thing. Uh, they just presented it as that these guys were like on a thrill kill mission, these four guys who went to the house of, of these people that they knew, um, tied them up, beat them, tortured them, raped the the, the woman, um, stole a bunch of stuff from them, and then killed them. And uh, so, you know, terrible, terrible story. Three of the uh, perpetrators were tried separately, and we, we talked about that, and they were already convicted, and two sentenced to death, one sentenced to life in prison. So the fourth guy chose to be tried separately. That trial was recently wrapped up, and he just more recently has uh, been um, sentenced to death as well. For you know, it's a really horrible crime, and I'm, I'm glad this is wrapped up. And uh, now... Again, the prosecutors didn't present this as a racial type of crime, but the the victims' families are thinking that it was, and that the uh, the four um, perpetrators, who were all African American, um, this supposedly had a problem with the couple that they were an interracial couple, and and again, this is the prosecutors did not choose to go down that route, but the families of the victims think that that was a factor. And um, whether it was or not, it's either way, it's a terrible crime. And we, you know, let's hope these, this kind of thing doesn't happen again around here and that that's the end of this. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's an awful story. Um, we're going to leave off with one last story that 
it makes me just as squeamish as some of the other ones, but it doesn't actually have to do with death and murder, but it just heights just get to me. So some guy in the Temecula Mall so, so, um, so some guy in the Temecula Mall stole some shoes and he made a miraculous jump from the second story to the first story to try to get away from all security. Um, again, I, I always say this, but no word if he's a tweaker or not, right? <laughs> Yeah, no word on that. But um, I don't know if the jump was miraculous as much as it was desperate. I guess it was miraculous that he didn't break any bones because, uh, you know, the Temecula Mall is a, it's a standard mall. If you've been to Brea Mall or whatever the one is in Santa Ana, that area, uh, you know, standard indoor shopping mall. They all kind of constructed in a similar way. And they all, uh, so the second floor, as anyone who's been in one of these malls, is pretty high up. It's higher up than, a, say, a second floor on a, on a house. Oh, yeah, definitely. You yeah. always look over that rail, and that's a pretty far distance down, and the floors are always hard. It's always that hard tile. And yeah. When I look over the rail, I almost you know, throw up in my mouth a bit. I really hate heights. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not real comfortable if you have any issue with that kind of thing. So anyways, he stole the shoes, ran out of the store, security came after him, chasing him, and I think they were trying to cuff him, and he wiggled free, and then that's when he jumped off the railing down there and miraculously didn't break any bone <laughs> continued running outside of the mall and probably thought he had gotten away and uh, uh sheriffs were called and they brought in the helicopter and i guess they got there pretty quick because this guy was eventually apprehended and uh, there's a picture of him in the paper and he's got a big bandage around his head so maybe he didn't break his legs but he hurt his head i don't know if maybe he was roughed up a little when he was apprehended which not all roughing up of, of criminals is, is unwarranted. No. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> you know, that just, like <laughs> it, it is sort of miraculous that he didn't break a bone from that jump, but wow, that, that's, that's crazy. I actually just thought of a new show treatment for a spinoff of cops, mall cops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's not much action other than busting, Teenage girls for shoplifting and some of I I can't imagine it being that action packed though. <laughs> Just a guy, a fat guy in a slurpee watching people go, Hey, you can't do that. <laughs> I don't know. Wasn't well, there something called mall wraps or something or I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, Robert Larson, he comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Th Forest. Thanks as always for being on the show. Oh, it's good to be with you. And talk if, to you next time. Yeah, talk to you next week. And of course this is the Heather McCoy show. <laughs>